Welcome to a Canadian Patriot special podcast here where I'm I'm very, very pleased to be joined by my good friends Jeff J. Brown and Dr. Quan Le. Jeff Brown, for those who have already watched our previous presentations or in dialogues, uh, is the co-founder of the Bioweapons Truth Commission and the curator of this incredible resource for anybody who wants to know any all things bioweapons, bioterror since I would say even before World War II, but especially after World War II and the abuses done um, that, are, that fall far outside of things that you typically find in history books, but are very important, especially in the day that we're currently living in. Jeff is also uh, the host of China Rising Radio Sinoland podcast and is also the curator of the China Writers Group, where both Dr. Quan Le and myself have had the pleasure of interfacing with a lot of like-minded people. Thank you, Jeff, for doing this. <laughs> uh, Dr. Quan Le has been an old friend. He's a he's a uh, an incredible mind. For anybody who's watched his presentations for the Rise and Tide Foundation, he is a Rise and Tide Foundation advisor. He is a historian, somebody with a very deep a finger on mm. a deep pulse mm. of geopolitics, history, and a, mm. most importantly, culture, cultural dynamics. With a That's with true. a broad appreciation for the mind, how the mind uh, expresses certain very important constants, and also both that t touch on both wisdom and also folly that express themselves at different times in East as well as in Western cultural matrices. Quan is also what gives him, I think, a, a particularly interesting edge. On top of being a Confucian Plat Platonist, um, is also a psychiatrist, hence Doctor Quan Le. So, Dr. Le, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Today, what this might be the first of a series of these sorts of, of discussions. Um, one thing that I encounter that I, I'm sure you guys also encounter in your own ways is that a lot of the, the people, the, the best people that we're trying to organize, trying to uh, communicate geopolitical insights to on a, on a regular basis, find themselves generally in a uh, in a camp which has woken up to the ugly reality that they're being manipulated by historical conspiracies that recognize the dangers of things like the Great Reset, which, or, you know, has different names, great narrative as a new one, uh, diff different things that are professing to try to usher in a post-reset age, which looks a lot more like technocratic feudalism than uh, many of those actually promoting this great reset idea would 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 admit. So <clears throat> that's all well and good, and it's good that people are waking up to these things. But the problem that I'm getting is the idea, and I think this has a lot to do with the uh, storm of misinformation, narrative reframing. The information landscape is skewed with psyops and again just controlled false narratives to try to deflect attention away from who are the actual dark forces and hands manipulating this shit show both in the present, but also in, in, in history. And instead people are being deflected. Their minds are being pushed more towards the conclusion that it's the big bad Chinese at the end of the day behind, you know, all of the things that are, that are making me afraid of the future, whether, and, and I mean, we're given enough imagery again, images, videos taken out of context that we're being told how to think about, feel about. So today I'd like to just debunk or deal with a few of these topics um 
We have a good friend, uh, Ron Bazaar, as well, who had proposed a few uh, questions, a few topics that he would like to see addressed. So I, I wrote a few of those down and we could talk about those. One of them today, let's start with the uh, the big one. Um, Chinese, the Chinese are, and this is what I get, I get in a lot of people who are, who are confused. Chinese, the Chinese people are an enslaved people controlled by an anti-religious, anti-moral Marxist machine automaton. Um, which is incompatible with freedom and, and is all about state control of everything. Freedom doesn't exist in China. This is a big one to start with, but I figured a big one is a, it's always good to start big. So uh, I don't know. What do you guys, <laughs> Jeff, you want to, you want to say that? Well, I'll, I'll go. Well, I'll just give you a, a wonderful anecdotal story. Okay. Uh, back when my daughter was going to university of Beijing normal, um, in 2017, I think we were back in in France, and we were on the Champs Elysees. You, know, you can't can't get more can't get more you know you know Western Western culture than that. And we were sitting there having a coffee. She'd been back. She's half French and half half American. And we were sitting there on a beautiful summer day, and she'd been here for about three weeks in France. And and you know she said, you know, Daddy, it's really I, it's really weird. I feel like I have more freedom in China than I do here, and and I think that was extremely profound. And I and and I and I and so I think we need to start with what are what is the definition of freedom in China? Freedom is not holding up a a placard in Tiananmen Square and saying you know Xi Jinping sucks. That's not freedom in China. Freedom in China is. Uh, the freedom to the freedom of not being worried about getting ra raped and and murdered and 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 shot down and freedom freedom is 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 not having you know police you know killing people and injuring thousands of people like they do here in France. Uh, freedom is having the the um, um, the um, the ability to. You know, maintain family connections, etc. Uh, a house to live in, an education, opportunities, equality, um, um, hope, a, a, a bright future. Uh, you know, looking towards a bright future. Uh, and of course, as we we all know, every Chinese going back to the times of before the Han Dynasty, going way back. Every Chinese has always been able to go to the authorities and make a complaint. That has been a part of a parcel and part of Chi a Chinese culture going back millennia. Is, is to uh, is to make complaints to the government, make complaints, and then they can take their they can take the complaint to a higher level. And as you all know, uh, every year, I mean, there there's thousands of people. We, we used to see it in Beijing. They would go to Beijing. They would go into the Great Hall of the People, uh, and you know, handing letters, you know, to the to the National People's Congress uh, for for redress. So, in America, it seems to be that freedom is being able to hold up a placard that says, you know, Biden sucks or Trump sucks or or you know, you know, gays and and guns and God. That seems to be the 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 to me the defining definition of Western freedom, and of course that is not copacetic in China because that's a loss of face, 
<clears throat> to the to the Chinese um, culture, and it's and it and and it's and it's pointless. It doesn't prove anything, and so. I complained. I I I myself complained to my local authorities in China when I lived there for 16 years, and I got results. But you have to do it properly. You go to the authorities and you sign, you know, you tell them what's going on, and they write it down and 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 they act on it. So that's freedom, and 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 I, I find the freedom in China more uh, more effective, uh, better results oriented, and um, less divisive, and it eliminates all, all the I identity politics, etc. That's what I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to jump in as a devil's advocate, and then I'm going to ask Juan to chime in on his thought. But what? If, what? What about those people who would say, but, but, John, but Jeff, if you if you go and and uh, express your your problems uh, about the governance of China, aren't you going to? have your social credit crushed? Aren't you going to be prohibited from going to school or being allowed to travel and, and just have your life destroyed if you speak up? What, what do you say? That's a, that's a big one. What do, what do you say to that? Well, the, well, the, the point, right, there used to be, of course, of course, what you say at the dinner table is whatever you want to say. But right now I can go online and, and you know, see, uh, see a way, uh, see a, you know, Weibo, WeChat, uh, you know, uh, uh, all these there, there's about 20 social social media platforms in china there are there are mal haters and mal lovers there are dung haters and dung lovers and there are jiang's mean haters and lovers and hujin tao and there's anti-party people and the, who, who don't like the communist party and then there's the ultra the ultra you know uh party people who want the party to be even more you know uh, com quote communist than it, than it, than it is, uh, uh, and and so th they the Chinese have always expressed themselves. They have never feared. They do not fear their government. They do not fear. There's th three hundred to five hundred protests a day, public protests a day in China. Yeah, it's a part. It's a part of their DNA. I mean, they, and and they're not afraid of the cops. The cops are not going to beat them i'm sure it happens sometimes you know they lose they lose their temper and and but um i you know no that's not going to happen i mean um you know you could say well they're in the rightist movement you know you know they went after the rightists uh with the uh let you know let let a let hundred flowers bloom um and then of course you could also say well uh th th those were also people who were trying to who were counter-revolutionaries and trying to just although there were some some innocent people who got persecuted but in general in general the chinese say what what they want and they are pretty fearless about it hmm. and i i and and i and i don't think that's uh that it's that's that's too that's too paranoid uh, that um, that you know that you can't go and and say what you want. I mean, if you want to go to this, the city hall and say, "My name is such and such, and I think Xi Jinping is a jerk," uh, hey, so what? But he, mm -hmm. It's it's it, it doesn't it doesn't prove anything, and it, it's not positive, and it doesn't cause anything to change for the better. And so th those kind of complaints, you know, that I, I, I'm sure don't go very far, but they say, I think that we should do this and this and this. Then I think there's maybe a chance, you know, that it, it would get 
who would definitely be yeah. put into the database. Right. To, yeah. There's more uh, of a dialogue process with the with the government and the people and the the fact that there are hundreds absolutely. of protests all over China. That's an important one that uh, most day, people are not aware about. Every day. Yeah. 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 Every day. That's good. Uh, Dr. Liu, what, how about yourself regarding this idea of, of the Chinese um, cold totalitarian atheistic monolith that wants to spread its uh, its value its value system of no values around the world and destroy Western freedom? How would how do you how do you think about that? And how do you think about what, what Jeff just said? Well, I'm very grateful for Jeff, to Jeff to ha having mentioned all the practical stuff like the 500 protests a day or the, the numerous e-platforms on which these Chinese citizens can express themselves. I just want to take 30 seconds for an anecdote, okay? One of my friends uh, witnessed a very aggressive Chinese woman talking to a policeman and she was going to attack him and uh, she even tried to bite him, okay? So the policeman answered, ma'am, I would have to arrest you if you bite me, okay? So I, I think that the Chinese citizens are not afraid of the policeman in China, okay? To have that kind of attitude. So sometimes a small anecdote talks volumes, but I would like to come back to more fundamental stuff. Uh, in China, and I think that Jeff's talked a little bit about that, you have to distinguish between freedom and license, okay? Let's not forget that the Chinese society comes from the Chinese civilization, and the Chinese civilization is a very old one, and the pervasive mentality in East Asia is a top-down society. And what I mean by top-down society is a society based on epistemological development, on epistemological journey, okay? In the sense that it's almost in, in the Chinese DNA to understand that some people are more developed in their mind, are more epistemological developed in their mind and consequently in their behavior, meaning they are closer to freedom than to license. Okay, and Jeff gave an excellent example. What is the usefulness for a guy uh, named XY going to, to the local police station and stating that Xi Jinping is a jerk? What is the usefulness for that, for him, for the society, for the police station? Okay, that is an example of what I call a lack of judgment or license in the behavior. Okay, a freedom in behavior means that you understand your value, your, your capacity for, to act for the society, and what is your role inside that society. If you're not uh, happy with your social level within that society, you can work on yourself to be more advanced, epistemologically speaking. So you wouldn't be worthy of uh, higher positions in society, so you would be capable to make that society advance. So that's what I mean by top-down mentality society, okay? And uh, uh, a very good friend of the West, Japan, is also a top-down society. Uh, South Korea, another good friend of the West, is also a top-down society. I, I guarantee you that when a South Korean goes to Beijing or to Shanghai, or a guy from Singapore go to uh, Beijing, that person doesn't have any problem with that Eastern Asian mentality because that mentality of 
top-down society or I would say epistemologically oriented society is perfectly crystal clear in the mind of all Asians from age five, I would say. Maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit. Maybe age 10 rather than age five. Mm. The other thing that I would like to say too is that uh, concerning the question of civilization, the, the name of China that is translated by PRC, the People's Republic of China, I would say it's an acceptable working translation, okay? But it's not the true meaning of Zhonghua Renmin Kongheguo, because Zhonghua Renmin Kongheguo means the Commonwealth of the Peoples of the Splendid Central Civilization, okay? It might sound a little bit grandiose and even pretentious, but why I give that exact translation, it's because it stresses the fact that China is a country based on culture, on freedom, but that freedom is a freedom coming from a true epistemological evolution on a personal level and in a collective level and not on license. I don't know if we have, uh, if you can give me three or four minutes to talk a little bit about the uh, not the biography because that would be too much, but uh, with the pathway of Mao Zedong, okay? Uh, Mao the tyrant. <laughs> so yeah, Mao you know what? I, I think yeah. Let, let's do that. Sure, why not? Because frankly, you know, I it's it's an it's it's an it's a very loud irony that the the reason why a fascist world government did not succeed the first time around when it was tried in the last century was primarily because the 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 brunt of the fight was taken up by the Russians who lost 25 million people or more and the Chinese who lost over 10 million of their people which is just astronomically disproportional to the tragic case of the 500,000 or so loss of American lives which is terrible but proportionally I mean something like 85 percent of the Wehrmacht was absorbed by by Russia under the helm at that time of Stalin and Mao did most of the heavy lifting. I mean, for anybody who has a problem with what I just said, the history books, or the actual records and the evidence showcases that Chiang Kai-shek was spending most of his time not fighting in any serious fashion with fascist uh, Japanese who themselves were bankrolled by the same financiers in London and in Wall Street, by the way, who were in the midst of also trying to take over control of the U.S. against their enemy, Franklin Roosevelt, who had a very different vision of what the post-war age could be had he lived uh, to see it through based on a U.S.-Russia-China relationship. So the fact that these two big forces, China and, and Russia, defeated the New World Order fascist project the first time and today are being characterized as the two um, biggest enemies to the West, which I, unfortunately people have to eat some humble pie here. We didn't really finalize the victory in World War II. We didn't really win. We won a battle but the war wasn't actually won. Those same forces, I'm talking to people listening here on YouTube or wherever we're going to stream this, the people who actually made World War II happen and brought fascism into being and got their asses kicked by really good people from around the world who rejected it, took back control under the CIA, MI6, MI5, FBI, Gladio, MI6, you name it. That's, again, something to look at before we start falling for what Fox News, CNN, or, or 
Steve Bannon would have us believe are the enemies of humanity today. So sure, I think what you're saying here about saying a word or two about Mao and China and in, in the deep past, that, that's appropriate. People should should be literate on these things. So go for it, Quan. Okay, before I go for it, I would like to make a small comment on Steve Bannon and my core and their government in exile, in exile of the federal Chinese state. The, the new federal Chinese uh, state, yeah. Yeah, it's so laughable. So it's exactly part of that grotesque storytelling, okay? Mm. Because what you stress very rightly is that uh, it's true that it's Russia and China who are probably the biggest nations nowadays capable to resist that new wave of fascism. And it's because precisely they are rooted in all traditional culture. And I would say that we can wrote, we can write encyclopedias on what is own traditional culture. But I would say that there are three words would summarize that, okay? Family, classical education, and nation, okay? Uh, I, I wouldn't limit myself to family, classical education, and nation. And before talking about Mao, I would take 30 seconds to talk about Sun Yat-sen. Okay, Sun Yat-sen is the father of the Chinese Republic. He was born in 1866. He died in March 1925. I just want to mention an event which happened on January 26, 1923. Okay, so the centennial of that event will be in six weeks. What happened on January 26, 1923? It was what the so-called Sun Yat-sen Adolf Yofe Manifesto, or simply Sun Yofe Manifesto. Uh, you can go on Wikipedia to check for that. Uh, Yofe is written Y-O-F-F-E. What is amusing and ironical is that it's written in that manifesto that Marxism is not suitable for the Chinese people. Okay, why? Why it has been that, written? That, why, like that what, what is not? What is not suitable? Marxism is Marxism. not suitable oh. for the Chinese people. And Sun Yat-sen asked Yofe to add that line in the manifesto because China was very weak at the time and needed some practical help from the Soviet Union. Okay, so Sun Yat-sen made a pact or uh, agreement with Yofe with who was the representative of the Soviet Union. So uh, China could get some practical help in order to restore order precisely and peace in China. And why I do mention that is that once again, Chinese civilization is rooted in traditional values. Okay, that's why Sun Yat-sen wanted to mention that in the Sun Yofe Manifesto. And the practical reason for that Sun Yofe Manifesto on January 26, 1923, was the creation of the Wampua Military Academy on May 1st, 1924. And that Wampua Military Academy was probably the very needed tool to restore order and eventually uh, going to the founding of the People's Republic of China in 1949, because at the time, uh, Zhou Wanlai, uh, the future uh, prime minister for, for Mao, was the political commissar for that military academy. And Chiang Jie-shu, or Chiang Kai-shek, to use the Cantonese pronunciation of his name, was the general director for that academy. Just to mention that what is called nowadays the nationalist and the communist 
were simply patriots, Chinese patriots, working together in order to restore order, wealth, and power for the Chinese people. Okay, so once again, traditional value, nation, classical education, family, all those are rooted in that the famous Sun Yofei Manifesto. And speaking of classical education and Chinese civilization, the most Mao had many influences, of course. I would say that it would be a little bit of a caricature to reduce it to Professor Yang Changji. But it's important to mention Yang Changji. I would I would like to spell his name because you can find his name on Wikipedia. Yang is his family name, Y-A-N-G, his given name, Changji, C-H-A-N-G-J-I. He was born in 1870 and he died in 1920. He was a philosopher and he was probably one of the most brilliant philosophers of his generation in China. And if he did not die at 50, he would probably create a quite major work. But unhappily, he died at 50. But before dying, he had the time to transmit to the young peasant named Mao Zedong the classical education coming from Chinese civilization. So to call Mao someone who is not rooted in the deepest of the Chinese culture and the Chinese legacy is completely absurd. And that guy is not very well known in the West, so I insist to name him. The other guy who is a very great friend of the West and has been, I would say, a major influence on what is China nowadays is the famous Lee Kuan Yew, okay, the, found, the founding father of Singapore. Uh, Lee Kuan Yew was born in 1923, the same year than the Sun Yofe Manifesto, and he died in, in 2015. And that Lee Kuan Yew met Mao Zedong in May 1976, okay, uh, four months before Mao's death. Uh, you can find images of his visit to Beijing on the internet. Uh, and he also talked to Deng Xiaoping in 1978 and after that. And he talked a lot to Xi Jinping in the 1990s when Xi Jinping was governor uh, for the eastern coast uh, province. I, I think it was Jiangsu before he became... Zhejiang. Uh, uh, Zhejiang. Okay, thanks, Jeff. Zhejiang, exactly. Just south of Jiangsu. So I would like to, to mention that uh, all those guys who had a major influence on what is China today were mostly big friends of the West. Okay, so uh, Li Kuan Yu and Deng Xiaoping uh, created, I would say, the framework for China, China to be a enormous Singapore, if you want. A little bit of a caricature to say things like that. But I think it's uh, sometimes simplistic images can help people to think. And I think that Westerners don't have any problem with Singapore, unless I'm mistaken. So why should they have a problem with China? Hmm. The um, the fact that um, uh, 
Mao Zedong was was rooted in in, in classical Chinese edu uh, classical Chinese education is proven by the fact that his poetry uh, is still considered some of the best poetry in China in in the uh, from the from the 20th century, and um, and he was also an outstanding and brilliant uh, calligrapher. Uh, his 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 brushstroke style is extremely uh, recognizable, and he was a great speech writer. He was he was a great writer. He was a great oratician. He was he was a you know he 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 was obviously extremely extremely well educated, uh, and um, but he had his roots. I visited his his house where he grew up. Um, in Shaoshan and uh, Hunan, and I visited that whole area. And, and uh, but he definitely he 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 had those two. I also visited the school where he went when he was a little boy, and then where he also taught later in Changsha. And um, so he, you know, he he was he's not. Uh, I always like to joke that you know people, you know Westerners, you know, and the, and, and they like to sibilate the CCP, you know. CCP, they love to sibilate that CC, uh, but um, you know he um, he uh, was was he, he did not have you know fangs you know with blood dripping out of them off of them he did not have green moss between his teeth he did not have claws instead of fingernails uh, and it, you just have to you just have to you have to get really dig into his past and I spent years doing it to see that all of this stuff about him is just is just one monstrous CIA as Matt said CIA MI6 what I call the big lie propaganda machine uh, is just the most horrific uh, uh, you know Dick Otter you know Mao's great famine it just goes on and on and well, on well hold on, on. Yeah, I mean, I, mean <clears throat> there, I agree I agree. There's so much mis narrative spinning in history and rewriting of history and, and repetition, which makes it become fact without without evidence. You just touched on the on the big famine. Let, let's let's can, is that did that not is that not what we were being told? Did Mao not oversee a massive uh, destructive famine that wiped out millions of Chinese? In the Great Leap Forward, and what happened? What what happened? What, yeah, in the Great Leap Forward, what happened was is that at the same time, in fact. They um, had a the northern half of the country was basically had 200 year droughts and the southern half of the country had 200 year floods for two years straight. Uh, they the the West wants to blame collectivization as the as, as the boogeyman for causing uh, the uh, hunger. Uh, it is after Mao's death, they estimated that approximately. 25 million people uh, died uh, during the Great Leap Forward, which sounds like a lot of people, but when you take the number of people that um, China had at the time, uh, it, it's, a, it's like, I don't know, 2% or something like that. Uh, it's also interesting to note that after the Great Leap Forward, before, before the Great Leap Forward, in the 2000 years preceding the Great Leap Forward, China 
had 1,862 famines, something like that, virtually a major famine every year for 2,000 years. Since the Great Leap Forward, China hasn't had any famines. And I would also like to point out that I have two, well, Matt knows them, um, and, and, and Quan knows them. Um, the um, uh, Mo Gao, who, was, who grew up in, um, in Shandong uh, during the Great Leap Forward and the Cultural Revolution, uh, very poor village. And then Dongping Han, who grew up in an even poorer village in Jiangxi. I mean, that's like, that's backwoods, man. That's like, that's like, you know, rural West Virginia. And for China, he grew up in a village. They're both, they're both about my age. So they were both perfectly at that time. They grew up in the Great Leap Forward and the Cultural Revolution. And they both wrote and said that there was no widespread famine there was a lot of hunger but in fact the collectivization actually saved millions of lives because they were able to move resources around uh, to keep as much food in front of the people as possible so yeah 25 million it's estimated that 25 million people died but after you know but but when in china's historical perspective it's not much at all and in fact it was a drop in the bucket so, of course, Dick Cotter and all these other scar writers, scar literature writers, you know, they talk about 75 million, 80 million, uh, et cetera. Uh, but it's just not true. And um, I mean, what can I say? Even even after he died, they officially said 25, Deng Xiaoping, they did it, went back. Deng Xiaoping said 25 million people, people died for the entire country over a three-year period. And by Chinese standards, that's that at that time was nothing. So, and since then they have not had not had one famine. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's just, it's just extremely exaggerated. Uh, and the, 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 the West Dick Cotter and all these other guys, they, they took, they took statistics and just exaggerated them and twisted them to get what they wanted the fact of the matter is is that who is, who is dick cotter it's a it's dick cotter frank dick cotter he's a dutch writer who wrote mal's great famine and and it's just a pack of lies i mean mm. uh it, it, there's just nothing about it that's that, 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 that's true even the photo on the front was taken from a famine in 1947 uh the, the, the chiang kai-shek caused because he blew up the dam uh that um that uh flooded uh, flooded tens of thousands of hectares of land in uh, in um, uh, in uh, Hunan uh, and, and because he couldn't find any photos of anybody you know starving in China during the Great Leap forward well the fact of the matter is is as if there weren't really that many that starved and to be honest with you most of the people that did die during the that starved uh, were over 60 years old 70 years old you know, comorbidities. Um, so um, uh, now there has been no famine since. So I, I I don't take it very seriously. I mean, the British the British have killed hundreds of millions of people starving. You know, you know, forcing famines on Ireland and India mm -hmm. and Burma and and the French and the Japanese on Vietnam Vietnam. You know, Southeast Asia killing you know hundreds of millions of people. 
with forced starvations uh, going back, you know, going back a couple of centuries. So, um, uh, and, and we could we could, we could get into it. The Great Leap Forward was the greatest burst of industrial activity in the history of the human race. Uh, it outpaced Germans, Germany's Industrial Revolution, England's uh, uh, Industrial Revolution, America's Industrial Revolution, and Japan's Industrial Revolution by um, from anywhere from 10 to 30 percent greater industrial output in that three-year period than the than than the uh, than um, those other industrial revolutions, even the Brits, it, it, it blew them away. Are you talking about incredibly... the, before, the before and after images, like before and after the this blast of industrial progress? You're saying that the no, no, I'm saying during was... dur dur no, yeah, no, during that three year period, the the level of industrialization was anywhere from ten to thirty percent greater than the best three years that Japan, the United States. Um, Germany, Britain, and America could uh, uh, had. Wow! Uh, they built they they built ten thousand dams. Uh, nine of the ten largest hydroelectric um, dams and and lakes. You know the you know reservoirs. Nine of the ten largest uh, in China today were built during the industrial were built during the Great Leap Forward. Mm. Uh, uh, thousands of kilometers of rivers were restored and for flood control. When I was traveling and backpacking in China and in, in Western China, I saw all these dams and these and these rivers where people had local, you know, local electricity generated. These dams were still working after 50 years. So um, there's, there, there, you know, it's just I, I, I um, all I can do is just say. It, you know, and it wasn't because of Mao. It wasn't because of the policies. It was the fact that they had floods and and drought for 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 two years running, and which is mm. what caused which is what caused all of the hunger. Mm. I'd like to. Um, there, there's a few other things to to touch on here, but I, I guess one thing, Cynthia just gave a class, uh, a lecture yesterday. And in it, she had a little clip from the Manchurian candidate. And uh, <laughs> she just noticed in the course of just playing this little segment that right behind, for people who know, know the movie, it's a John Frankenheimer movie. It's quite quite a good film. But there's some wonderful. definite dishonest uh, little little touches that maybe had a little smell of the CIA in terms of the, the setting of the stage. And behind in one of the, uh, the scenes where this uh, POW from the Korean War is getting um brainwash you know there's pavlovian brainwashing conditioning to try to turn him into an assassin which is what mk ultra was actually doing by the way they were trying to figure out how can you <laughs> pattern and then reprogram people so that you could switch their identities in in some sort of controlled schizophrenia to be uh assassins this is what for people who don't know the entire <clears throat> charles manson cults the entire thing that you, the unabomber came out of, <laughs> out of harvard all of these were CIA MK Ultra operations, as was, ironically, um, Reverend Sung Young Moon, who was a Korean mm -hmm. uh, person who described, you know, early on his own experience in the early 50s that he called lovingly my brainwashing, who then became the head of a new cult that had all sorts of weird MK Ultra connections. So you had all of these things, right? And the and 
Korea, we have to keep in mind, was abused enorm enormously by the first real unjust war after World War II, which was the Korean War, a war which we had no reason uh, going into Korea, where the, I mean, ask Koreans who live there and who might still be alive who the aggressor was. Um, do, do they think of it as the Chinese or do they think of it as the American invaders who used bioweapons and other things? So anyway, we behind one of these scenes where you have this POW getting brainwashed, there's a picture of Mao. A big, big, oh, oh, yeah. and we're like, interesting, interesting. I, I, hadn't, interesting. I don't remember that. I haven't seen, I haven't watched yeah. it in probably 20 or 30 years. That's really funny. We, we oh, lost, uh, hold on, we lost Quan here. Let's, let's see if we can get Quan back. He, uh, his internet sometimes clonks out. Uh, he can... Is he in Montreal too with you? He is, he is. He's in, uh, yeah. St. Bruno, which is just outside of Montreal. I'm just gonna hit stop recording. I just had to press pause because we we lost Doctor Le, so hopefully he he can jump back in the in the Zoom link. Um, but yeah, I was just gonna say. So we had the the painting of Mao Zedong just sort of plastered in the back That's, to give I, people. I didn't see that. I don't. Remember yeah, yeah, that. yeah. It's incredible. It's sort of an insidious thing because I mean, essentially, the message is all of these things are happening. But it, but instead of it being MKUltra and the CIA who are actually the ones carrying out these operations on uh, civilians, POWs, it's actually the Chinese, which is not actually uh, how any of this unfolded. And the same thing we've seen in the Yuri Bezmenov. You know, there's this viral video of a guy who is essentially a paid agent to the CIA throughout the Cold War working, you know, for the CIA inside of Russia, getting his pay, making his career that way. And when the Soviet Union started falling apart he was out of a job and as a grifter he was like well i can make money lecturing about the evils of of soviet infiltration and and corruption of of the west and some of his videos have really gone very very viral i've gotten every every week i get like five or six people who send me the same damn lecture but it's like when you listen to what he's saying it's like all of that is kind of tr true except he's giving you all the things that the CIA and Frankfurt School, which were sponsored by the CIA and the Congress for Cultural Freedom to destroy mm -hmm. the, the deep, good traditions of the West, all of these, and he's just saying it's the evil Soviets and Russians who are, who are doing it, but it's all deflection. So mm -hmm. to this day, I mean, there's so much work, even to the point that I, I, I shared with you, I think, or a friend of a, a, a mutual friend had shared with us um, an email that was going around going viral in, in the conservative alt media groups uh, trying to say that China is the world leader of bioterror and absorbed Hiro Ishii and his unit 731 into China, which then created China's bio weapons program that they've been using on civilians for the past 80 years. And it's like they took the truth and they turn it inside out because the mm -hmm. reality that you've proven on so many occasions is that. Hiro Ishii, the father in many ways of modern bioterrorism, a Japanese psychopath, was indeed not punished after World War II, was indeed absorbed into a military industrial complex and went about his days with his whole network reconstituted working on these things that he honed his craft on American POWs, Russian POWs, and especially Chinese civilians uh, during the war. But it wasn't the Chinese who took him in. Mm -hmm. So maybe was, you could say a little something about some of these deflections. <laughs> well, it was just, yeah, it's just Fort Detrick. Uh, I mean, they basically, the Russians kept waiting for the uh, Americans who promised to send uh, the <laughs> the high 
the high level people, um, uh, Shiro Ishii uh, from Unit 731 um, to Russia for the trials. And, and I'm going to butcher the word, the name, Kabarzava uh, Kav. Anyway, they never sent them. And they the Russians had their trials of the 13 or I think 13 low hanging fruit from Unit 731. Uh, and uh, the the big dogs <laughs> took eight eight thousand microscope slides, tissue samples, uh, containers of documentation were shipped back to uh, Fort Detrick, and it was it, that is what started that that is what launched America's great um, foray into uh, bioweapons and bioweapon development. It was this thanks to the, the thanks to him. Uh, the uh, uh, Ishihiro and 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 there's even speculate there's even pretty good evidence that he was on a ship uh, in southern Korea during the time in 1951 and 1952 when the Americans were dropping bioweapons on the border between China and North Korea on the Yalu River. He was helping them make you know make you know make up the make up the bombs. So. Um, and, and just to get back to Mao, I mean, you just have to read and really understand him. He was a teacher. He taught. He was a professional teacher. And he was so forgiving to people. You know, he would, if if people would, if people would just admit their mistakes, he would always forgive them. He was into re-education, getting people back on track. It is estimated that out of the millions of stay behind Japanese fascists out of the millions of stay behind uh, 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 KMT fascists out of the millions of bourgeois uh, Chinese la landlords and gentry uh, after after 1949 it is estimated that a total of, of less than of less than two percent of, of that class of people, were, were killed and most of them were killed by the locals themselves because they these were people who had raped and stolen and ripped people off this is a tiny fraction compared to most other revolutions he was always into re-education and, and in fact some of his cohorts considered him to be too soft and too nice and he should not have you know he should have been more more out you know, to 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 get rid of the uh, of all these really bad guys who were who had caused so much harm uh, 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 previously. So you just and all you have to do is just if everything that the West says about China, the Mao era of China is true, then why was China? How did the life expectancy in 1949 was 35 years, 35 years. Mm life expectancy when mal died in 1976 it was 66 years how the 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 literacy rate in 1949 was 20 percent when mal died in 1976 it was something like 70 percent the the gdp increased six times the agricultural production increased three times um hundreds of thousands of you know uh, 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 kilometers of telegraph lines uh, uh, railroads roads ports 
canals were you know were built during during that period and and Deng Xiaoping could have not gotten off out of his chair to start his reform and opening up in the 1980s without the amazing foundation of you know the industrial and infrastructural foundation that uh, the Mao era that, that the Mao era created yeah so um it, it just goes on and on and on so when I just hear you know, when I read an article about these on uh, on epic time which is which they do some great work but when they when they when they they do some great stuff about elections and covid and stuff but when they you know when they like that when they like to sibilate that ccp you know i just i just i just roll my shoulders because china started going from strength to strength in 1949 and they haven't looked back mm. so mm. there there's a um a quote just that you you had published, I guess it was Pepe Escobar originally published it um, <clears throat> from uh, something that Mao had written in 1971, where he said, and I quote from your post on Telegram, in another 50 years, China will be very strong. And by that time, the Chinese Communist Party will be 100 years old. America will most likely be very envious and restless, but it doesn't dare attack China, not even with a single bullet. It will research germ contamination instead. Mm -hmm. That is very unconscionable. After it finishes with this unconscionable deed, it will self-destruct. That was very creepy prescient. Yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just want to say it will self-destruct. Actually, I went back and and um read the Chinese clay. It's imperialism will self-destruct. Oh, so America, imperialism, okay. That's important. America America. America will do the. I sent it to the China Writers Group today in Word. If you want to, if you want to go back and find it, yeah. But it's it's America was was would do bioweapons, but as a result of that of that heinous crime, uh, it would be imperialism that would self destruct. So uh, I, 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 that was just one one mis that was one correction I made to the translation, and it was for, mm -hmm. actually said on. It was actually said on. Army Day of 1971 to the to a group of um, of uh, military in 1971, which was and which is the um, um, uh, considered you know uh, no I'm sorry it's seven, that's eight eight one seven one is the founding of the Communist Party so he said it at the uh, I need to change that he uh, I said Army I should have said Party but it was mm -hmm. the founding of the party on January on uh, July first. Um, 1921 this was 1971 and what's so really interesting is that, that quote he said in 50 years well 50 years was last year <laughs> so, yeah, yeah yeah no that's what i'm saying it was creepy prescient i mean that that is quite the yeah, quote yeah, um yeah. and it came from his selected works and i in the word document i gave you all the china writers group uh i gave a couple of references but they're in chinese sorry mm. Well, and I, let me just round out one thing, too, because it's very important what you said about especially the rate of progress, the pulling people out of poverty and the measurable attributes of longevity, quality of life, powers of productive labor per capita that have all been. These are irrefutable data sets that can, that cannot be ignored when looking at China's past, especially the 20th century. Um, and the infrastructure projects, the thousands and thousands of dams, of, of roads, of of hard and soft uh, infrastructure built up 
uh, in the especially the 50s, the 60s before the so-called opening up. This is not known. I mean, I didn't know about this until I, mm. I think I read your book. Maybe I had an inkling of it. And then I started reading Sun Yat-sen's International Development of China and, and looked at how that that 1921 or 1920 Sun Yat-sen um, program where he outlines something like 80,000 projects in this beautiful book, mm-hmm. booklet, um, how they began to actually take shape after he dies. Um, and mm-hmm. Franklin Roosevelt had Zhou Enlai representing the Mao networks, as well as uh, Chiang Kai-shek, ironically, who wasn't such a great guy. But at the very least, his best virtue was he agreed with um, Sun Yat-sen and Mao that we cannot allow China to be broken up. So there's this one China commitment. At the very least, you had that. Um, And both sides agreed when they presented the Sun Yat-sen program for internationalizing the New Deal at Bretton Woods in 1944. They presented that to the how how these projects could um, you know electrify the South and and all of these other things the way it had done so successfully in the U.S. The American delegation under Franklin Roosevelt's lead and Henry Wallace uh, endorsed that completely, and we're happy to make this a driving uh, part of Reconstruction. And that didn't happen, as we know, history was derailed under this deep state takeover of the U.S. and the backstabbing of a lot of the mm-hmm. former allies like Russia and China, who then became known as enemies, numero uno or duo, depending on whether you were a, a liberal or a conservative, there was different messaging catered to either side, kind of like today, same formula. This is not unique. But despite that, the Sun Yat-sen, which a program was still alive and still shaping the thinking of grand strategists in China who wanted mm-hmm. to end hunger and do these things that that had to be done that are currently coming alive today under the, the Belt and Road Initiative. So I just wanted to yeah. say that, like the, because Sun Yat-sen is really, the, the in my mind, the cultural bridge between East and West, since he's a man who got his ideas, and you could read his writings. His concept was through the study of Abraham Lincoln's American system of political economy, protectionism, state-backed credit, large-scale infrastructure, that he studied while he was in Hawaii as a student with the Lincoln networks there. And he brought it back and made that the basis of his revolution, his Republican revolution in 1911. So, I mean, people have to realize it's not like we we have these two different opposing cultures that are some, that China is somehow this other thing incompatible with Western thinking and liberty. It's like we, if we could find rediscover that, that actual Western love of liberty and thinking that we once had that gave birth to the good that we once enjoyed many, many generations ago, we would actually be in a good place right now when the CIA and MI6 mm-hmm. and Soros would not be running our countries. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> the fact that we have allowed these freaks to actually take control of the city of London, we, we've let all of the enemies of civilization take control of our society should make us ask the question, do we really have? What is this freedom and democracy that we say is the the great Western heritage? Where is it? I don't see it. I see election yeah. frauds. I see all sorts of <laughs> mass popularized stupidification and warmongering, but I don't actually see this this love of freedom, which used to be there. Which I you know, yeah. quite a bit of humble pie needs to be eaten. The um, I th- this is the one thing I did want you know I, I mentioned and uh, and that I have a lot of conservative friends. I have a lot of deeply religious friends, you know, devoutly religious Christians, Muslims. Um, and they, 
um, con conservative, socially conservative uh, people, um, and they're so they're so wrapped up in blaming you know China and communism for all of the things that they see going wrong in their countries. You know the the violence and the wokeism and the transhumanism and the and, and all you know the I identity politics and everything they there's they they just they have been so brainwashed that they immediately blame china and china's communism for all for everything that's wrong that ails their, their that ails their societies hmm. whether they're english or french or american or, or canadian or whatever and that's 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 a straw man that that is this the straw man and you know you you and cynthia call it the city of london which is you know we we it's it's on the map <laughs> and, and i call him more more nebulously you know the the trillionaire the trillionaire dictators mm -hmm. and but that those are the enemies these are the you know the, the it's those it's the city of london and and all their spawn and the cia that that works for them and mi6 that's who our enemies are that's it's not china it's not russia it's not communism that's just a a, a massive deflection and it works beautifully because no one's you know all my conservative friends are not talking about the rothschilds and the city of london and the ships and the rockefellers and the and the and the morgans and you know the 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 100 families who 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 essentially in the west who essentially you know control much of the planet and so i just would like to tell them out there it's not it's not China. It's not Russia. It's not North Korea. It's not Iran. It's not Venezuela. It's not Bolivia. It's not Cuba. It's Wall Street, the city of London, uh, and, uh, and the CIA, MI6, deep state, and the military-industrial complex. That's that's who has completely um, how to hijacked hijacked the West into the into this horrific uh you know te techno techno totalitarian world that they're pushing us into this mm. it's just uh that that's the enemy yeah so let's let's do this let's let's round this that we're rounding out the hour and i think that's a really nice place to to wrap it up and um for anybody listening because there's a lot of other topics we did not unpack we're obviously this was a a, a context setting discussion i i wish kwan was able to be here till the very end, but it, I think we did the, what what I what I had hoped we would do, which is to set up some historical context, always so desperately lacking in these these discussions of present misinformation psyops. Is well, what's the context? You know, you can you can only you could talk about a line from a Shakespeare play all you want and dissect it and nitpick it and have dialogues and, and debates around what does that line mean. But if you don't know the, the scene in which the line occurs or the act in which the line occurs or the play in which the line occurs, it doesn't mean anything. We're wasting our time. And whoever has the most seductive, um, sophistical argument is going to just win based on their prettiness of, the, of utilizing <laughs> flowery language with no regard for truth. So this is good. We're, it, what, do you what do you say about this, uh, Jeff? And hopefully Quan can join us in the future. How about we do a follow-up one where we can tackle some of the other myths and um, claims that are out there that that need to be addressed, like um, the Chinese 
BRIs, an imperialistic force to subvert nations under debt slavery, uh, using debt trap mm-hmm. diplomacy. We could tackle um, the claims of China crushing, genociding Uyghur Muslims and Tibetan Buddhists and poor Hong Kongian democracy lovers and Taiwanese lovers of freedom. We could we could treat all these things in a in a future um Absolutely. discussion soon how, how do you is that okay i'd love to i'd love to i'm Great. so sorry that uh, Quan got uh got cut off maybe he maybe he got hit with a blizzard that's coming your way i think possibly <laughs> we're getting hit we're getting hit but i'm gonna love to talk about this and we're gonna break down steve bannon we're gonna break down epoch times Falun gong is what this asian scientology cult is we're gonna go through uh, uh the tiananmen square um story as well i'd like to mm. debunk that and really address how that was actually a Maidan style color revolutionary attempt like what oh, happened yeah, in Ukraine absolutely. in 2014. Yeah. Same thing was attempted in 1989. We're going to debunk that. Um, we're going to address the police stations, the Chinese police stations that we've been told uh, are all over the place. We're going to address the question of of China and did, ch- did China actually release uh, COVID as a China bioweapon to destroy the West? And maybe even talk about the Hunter Biden laptop a little bit and whether Biden and Justin Trudeau <laughs> are really stooges for the big bad <laughs> ICOMs. Okay, we'll do all of that stuff in the future presentations or discussions down the line. And so the last thing I'll say, Jeff, for people who want to read your, your book, I would suggest The Big Red Book on China by Jeff J. Brown is easily findable. Do a Google search or go to the description link in this box uh, of the, under this video, you'll find it, buy it, read it. It's essential reading to put meat on the bones to a lot of the claims Jeff said, and honestly try to prove them wrong. You know, if, if you, if you're, I can imagine a lot of people are probably pissed off by some of what was said today. That's a natural thing. Prove it wrong. Go to evidence yeah. that Jeff is presenting, see if what he's saying stands the test of truth. And also my the book I, I published with uh, Cynthia Chung about three weeks ago is Breaking Free of Anti-China Psyops. Yeah, it's really excellent. Thanks. It's really so that's excellent. another one. Um, read it. You can get it on our CanadianPatriot.org site. You know, it's 75 pages. It's a, it's a smooth read. Try to disprove us and uh, and come back to us with, with your thoughts. And also, I will point out uh, uh, the, the three China trilogy books are, are are now also audiobooks. I've got uh-huh. them on Google Google, Google audiobooks. So uh, yeah, ebook, uh, EPUB, uh, Kindle, uh, Amazon, and also uh, audiobooks on Google. So uh, the, the, there's there's every, there's every which way to there's every which way to uh, to, to 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 access them. Good, yeah, for Matt. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for for the promotion. And um, we, you know, really, I love what you and Cynthia do. In fact, in fact, right here next to me, and it's just, I have Cynthia's book, which I'm going to read <laughs> and interview her about. You know, I just, I just got it, and um, and uh, so uh, uh, we, um, we, uh, I think, I, I think, I think we both have a well, and, and Quan, of course, the whole China Writers Group. We just have some wonderful dialogue, and let's keep it up. Get after it. On with the good fight. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and let's try to get together after after the after the after the New Year. Absolutely. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye bye.